This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hello, I'm Paul. Hello, I'm Terrence. Hello, I'm Mark. Hello, I'm Alex. And we're going to talk about Shadows in the Moonlight, or Iron Shadows in the Moon, by Robert E. Howard. Uh, first published in Weird Tales, April 1934. A Conan the Sumerian, Conan the Barbarian, trademark, copyright, registered, all that stuff. Um, story. Uh, Mark, last time we had you on, it was for Veil of Lost Women. That's right. Which uh, was apparently over a year ago. I was looking at the Skype contacts, and that's not often enough for my point of view. We should talk about Conan maybe twice or three times a year at least, I would say. But, you have uh, only to rattle my cage. Oh, will well, come. cool. <laughs> <laughs> Let the monkey out. <laughs> Let the monkey out with, right. with a red cape out of its cage. That's um, exactly right. <laughs> um, but uh, I... I still think back in that story. I think it's a good story. Um, I feel like this one has a lot more construction. Like, yes, uh, there's a lot more constructed in it, but it's basically the same. St- I, I was just immediately struck. And I know there's, this is sort of what his letters with, uh, HP Lovecraft were about. It's just, you know, barbarism versus civilization. It's just so obvious. Like he's, he's almost propagandizing the idea. In this yeah, story, at least, I, I, this is this is the in the midst of what I like to think of as the middling Conan stories. You know, he had uh, he'd written a few, and he sort of intuited what Farnsworth Wright, the editor at Weird Tales, was looking for, and he 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 settles into this sort of formula. Uh, of sorts, uh, where there's a lot of the same sort of elements in play, mm-hmm. and and he does that right up to kind of the mid mid run of the series, uh, which is Rogues in the House. And but I think that uh, if you look at this, it's not quite a greatest hits Conan story, Mm-mm. but it's it's easily the thing that would have started the beginning of the greatest hits album, right? <laughs> it, it's like, it's, it, this is, this is, if, if this were an, if he were Aerosmith, uh, this would be walk this way, you know, mm. uh, there may be better Conan stories out there, but this has all of those touchstones, those essential elements, you know, it's, 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 it's got the, it's got the damsel in distress. It's got the bloody trail of vengeance. It's got the piracy. It's got the, it's got the, uh, savage ape. I mean, the, <laughs> the supernatural menace, you know, it's, it's a real, uh, it's almost, it's, it's almost a bingo card mm. of, of like, what do you, what mm-hmm. do you want from a Conan story? Well, it's got to have this. It's got to have that. Uh, Iron Shadows, uh, covers that, you know, I think it's really nice. handle it. I think it's a very representative Conan story. I agree, I agree with you. This, it, it, it checks lots of the tick boxes. What do you want in a Conan story? What do you expect in a Conan story? This is this is the things that you you get you get the supernatural. You get you get the damsel in distress. You get sword fighting. You get you get lots of conflicts. You get a monster. You get everything you could possibly Don't want. Don't forget in a Conan the wizardry. Story. There's wizardry too. It, yes. There's wizardry. Yes, dream magic. 
I mean, it's like everything you could possibly want. It's, is it the highest art of the best Conan stories? No, but on the other hand, if I wanted to point at a Conan story and say, this is what Conan really is all about, I could point at the story and it would be a pretty solid choice for people who want to know, well, what does Conan do? This is what Conan does. Here you go. Enjoy. I'm trying to, rem- I'm trying to remember if there is a scene, and I want to get Alex in on this, but I want to remember if there is a scene uh, where he asks her if there was a snake. He asks, uh, Conan asks Olivia in her dream if there was a snake. Is that in there? I've read so, I bo- read both adaptations for comics and I um, listened to the audiobook. Do you guys remember this? I don't there's, believe there is. The quick words There's only one reference fine. to a snake. And he talks about, I squirmed and burrowed and hidden like a snake, feasting on ah. muskrats and caught and ate raw. It's the only time he actually talks about snakes. So maybe, maybe that bingo box is missing. Well, okay. What were you going to say, Alex? Yeah, I was going to say there's only one reference to snake. And that's the one that... My tech search here. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, did anybody else read the comics over again? Or... Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yes. Did you notice uh, any snakes mentioned? Because I, 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 I noticed, I guess maybe the second time reading it, um, that it starts very similarly to, I guess, to the last uh, Howard Conan story. Um, that gets published during his lifetime, which is, or I guess right after his lifetime, uh, Red Nails. Um, it starts almost the exact same way. There's a, um, uh, tramp through the jungle. Uh, I guess it's not the start. It's the middle <laughs> or the end of the beginning. They, they land on the island. They tramp through the jungle. Uh, they find some fruit. Um, and then, uh, there's a giant monster. Uh, and it's like, um, they're alone in the wilderness. Uh, the the dynamic is completely different, but that fruit element, I was like, I think there's, and I th- it must be in one of the adaptations that uh, he asks her if there was a snake in the dream uh, that she had. Like, why did you run out of this um, out of this temple or jade palace ruin, whatever it is? And I was like, oh, is he doing like the Bible? This is this is uh, the Garden of Eden, mm. and and you know that sort of thing. And the thing is, is a lot of stuff is like that. Like, if you just think of all the other stories, like, um, my favorite queen of the black coast, there's a, there's monkey monsters, right? There's a temple that's hidden in the jungle, forbidden place, you know, pirates, all that stuff. It's, 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 he's definitely, it's like he's working through, uh, not just what Farnsworth Wright wants, what he can sell to him, but also like, I've got a thesis here. This is what manly men act like. Like, and it, and not like, uh, like an act. It's just like, this is what a man is. And if you think of like the, there is a scene where, with, uh, it's in the, the actual text of the story where Olivia looks at the two, uh, monsters, the two savage creatures, the two jungle creatures, the Conan and, uh, the gray gorilla or whatever it is. Um, and she sees how they're alike, right? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then we've got that, that sort of mirror back to the beginning with Shah Amarath, who is a mirror to Conan as well, right? Um, he's civilized. Conan's barbarian, um, self-identified barbarian. I think he's saying it like, you think I'm a barbarian, don't you? And he just assumes everybody thinks he's a barbarian. It doesn't make sense to, you know, Barbarians in a barbarian town talking about barbarianism. <laughs> it has to be in response to something else. That's why he is Conan the Sumerian, not a Sumerian. Right. 
and I, and and certainly that is part of uh, the signaling that Howard was doing to Lovecraft. Mm, uh, in, that's what in, I'm in saying. His, it's like he's writ- yeah. writing this for his argument. Oh, oh yeah, I've uh, I've long maintained that some of the best uh, Howard Conan stories are uh, a response to what he and uh, Lovecraft were arguing over. Uh, you know, ad nauseum, because a lot of times Howard, at least not until later in the relationship, you know, he felt that Lovecraft was smarter than him and, (laughs) and, and, and initially deferred to him. And I think this was a way for Howard to test those theories, at least insofar as he understood what his definition of barbarism was. Mm -hmm. Um, I did find reference to what you were talking about. It's in the Savage Sword of Conan. Uh, it's, it's the panel on page 30. Uh, he catches her. She's running out and he says, did you have a nightmare? Was there a serpent in? Right. And then she cuts him off and says, where are they? Did they follow us? And, and, and then we get back into it. So it was, it was just a little tag that, Mm -hmm. that Roy on. And I don't think indicative of, of what they were, uh, you know, I don't think they were alluding any sort of, uh, garden of Eden metaphor there. It's, but it's, I, I I like where your head's at. Yeah, I I think about like um, I was, uh, I, it's funny to me. I, I don't know who Alex is at all. Like uh, we just met like a minute <laughs> ago. But I think about uh, you. You said something about like my tweets are not political, right? <laughs> so <laughs> when I was going to call you PC pulp covers, you were like, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm in fact your tweets are. Um, Probably the opposite of PC in that they're they're really fun, right? They're they're just showing all these great pulp covers from the fifties, thirties, sixties, and um, they are without judgment. But there's a pattern. <laughs> there's definitely a pattern, <coughs> and I, I think I think that the pattern is towards like in the same way. It's it, Howard is unashamed. Of being a manly man, right? He's, he's into boxing. He likes, uh, dressing up in pirate costumes and carrying his gun around. Uh, he's, he's a lot like Conan in that he, he's chivalrous towards women. Um, apparently he was really polite. Um, and yet, uh, he, he's, um, he's not a man in the same way that Lovecraft is, right? Lovecraft is, what his characters always do, they faint, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And yet, more of a gentleman. He is exactly a gentleman, and so that argument uh, of um, of what a uh, a man is, uh, what a man is supposed to be, it's like this is, uh, and th- we're getting into Terrence territory now, right? This <laughs> is, it's like um, it's a pre philosophy for manhood, is what I think of, like. Women don't seem to love Conan in the way that men love Conan. And, and there's, there's a whole thing. There's a great scene when, uh, Olivia is watching Conan watch, wash his body, right? Do his ablutions. Uh, when they finally land on the island after he, his iron thews. I love the word thews. It's the only time I've ever seen thews in print or is in Conan stories. Is in yeah. Robert E. Howard stories, right? It, it, the only humans who have thews are Conan humans, right? Um, mighty thews. Uh, she watches him and he watches her. It's not a male gaze. It's a male and female gaze. He right. loves 
the human body in the way that Lovecraft is like, ew, gross. <laughs> right? There's something powerful and it's undeniable in his prose. You, I think that's why people love it. And I noticed, uh, Alex, you started tweeting uh, under a new account. I assume it's you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, tweets of High Adventure, the complete uh, Robert E. Howard Conan stories, it seems. Um, yep. And oh my God, the the prose is just seeing it in a in tweet length. It's just gorgeous, right? It's yeah, it poetry. breaks up in these beautiful little like, one two sentence segments. It's astounding every, how beautiful every it sentence is. has the language that just everyone's tweetable. It's, it's, it's totally true. How, I assume you're using some sort of program or system to do that. It's not all manually done, is it? Yeah, no, I've got a tool where you can put in a, a whole block of text and it breaks it up. Nice. Um, and, it tries to break it by sentence and paragraph, and I have to do a little tweaking, but it generally works out pretty well. Yeah, because there's chapter headings, and and then I, you add in uh, some art every once in a while, and it it is it is beautiful to just like come across. Oh, that line! It's so good, and it it's unashamed, and uh, and it has no um, it has no sense that uh, oh, I I gotta watch my manners here or anything like that. It's all it's all pure. And I, I, I don't, you're not getting a lot of hate out of, like, nobody's responding with crazy, <laughs> crazy tweets. Yeah, I, was, it, right? I was a little worried. I did uh, Veil of Lost Women, which uh-huh. uh, is, as the kids these days say, problematic. <laughs> and I just, you know, put the whole thing in and went with it. And I was expecting some kind of pushback, but it kind of, it went through. I think people who are following a, an account that just tweets Conan text are kind of, they know what they're in for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've, you've distilled, uh, your audience down to a, a, a kind of an essence there. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know that you're going to get any casual Conan readers, <laughs> but that's cool because, you know, um, I, th- I think Howard is, uh, not necessarily a deep dive, uh, but if you're in for a penny, typically you're in for a pound. There are Conan fans out there who don't read anything else. But I think, by and large, Robert E. Howard fans are pretty egalitarian in their consumption. Uh, and th- this notion that you're you're speaking to is this masculinity, mm-hmm. which is uh, a part and parcel of what uh, Howard grew up with growing up. There wasn't uh, there wasn't really a notion of. Um, I don't think he had a choice. You know, he, because there were, there's signifiers, especially back in Texas in the 20s. Um, and, uh, those signifiers were, you know, what was acceptable work for a man and what was unacceptable work for a man. And so you could, you didn't have to be a ranch hand or an oil field worker. But you had to have if you if you didn't have that, then you needed some sort of vocational training or academic training. In other he words, he even it, did some of that, right? He went to accounting school or something. He he did, but you know, it was just never in his wheelhouse to consider, you know, taking a day job. You know, uh, I, I I think that by the time he was uh, ready to start looking at a career path he'd hit a point where you know none of it sounded good he and so on top of needing to be close by because you know dad wasn't going to be around for days at a time uh being the country doctor he found 
a way to, you know, very briefly in his life, have his cake and eat it too. Mm. He, he was making good money writing. He was making really good money. When he fucking uh, got paid, though. Jesus Christ. Did you see uh, that begging letter he wrote? I did. Yes. Oh, my was, God. I, I was like... Farnsworth, right? If you can't pay, if you're, not, if you can pay this guy and you're not paying him, you are the worst fucking human being ever. Because he's he's humbling himself. But there, but there is a period in twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine, uh, and and early thirty where he's doing the boxing stories, mm-hmm. and he has been uh, exercising and lifting weights and was boxing in town, so he was making money writing stories. And he'd go on Saturday nights and, and Friday nights and have a beer with the gang and do a little bare knuckle boxing or go see a fight or whatever. And I, I think probably that was like like his best of times, you know. Uh, so so when you start this conversation with Lovecraft, he has not been boxing nope. <laughs> regularly. Uh, he's had he's had to cut back. Uh, he's had to scramble to find more resources because the the bank. Uh, failed and his money disappeared and so you're left with this sort of intellectual conversation which is all you know lovecraft their argument was was never about particulars and so howard would have Mm -hmm. to go and find examples i love the fact that they use newspaper stories to sort of back up their their thought process you know he'd send howard some uh Lovecraft would send Howard clipping and and explain why uh, clearly this was the only way to run a city. And uh, Howard would reply with, you know, here's a list of the crimes that were committed Mm. in this little town and what the sheriff did or didn't do. And and so the whole of this um, back and forth conversation, especially when they're in the boat, and, mm. uh, and and Olivia is is rattling off uh, all the things that were happening to her, and and especially in the in the prose, uh, you know they're sort of trying to figure out each other, and Howard lets her talk, and then when she's through with her little litany of, of problems, he just says, "We don't sell our children." That's right. <laughs> That's right. You know, so so it's a. Uh, uh, I, I don't know that it was an idealized for Howard stance, but I think he was arguing what he admired in indigenous cultures, mm. right? Because he's he's got a closer example than anybody else in the in the argument. You know, Howard's got stories of Comanche growing up. Uh, in, in this part of Texas. So, you know, he's got this, he, he, it's a warts and all kind of presentation. Yes, the Texas Rangers basically uh, engaged in uh, ethnic cleansing. On the other hand, you've got scouts who have these I, these grand stories of riding with the Cherokee and here's what they did and here's what they were like. And, and so uh, all of that goes into this hopper, you know, mm-hmm. And I don't think Howard ever actually sat down and codified this is what a barbarian is. I mm-hmm. think he's just our mindset and ideal. Yeah. And, and, th- and that goes with masculinity because there are no rules right now. I love that one of the, the best, the longest and most uh, enthusiastic letter writers in Weird Tales history 
It was a woman named Gertrude who loved Conan <laughs> and talked about what a manly man he was yeah. and how we need more people like that in our lives. Man, that's just awesome. And, but, but uh, you know, in this case, I think it was mostly um, Howard just trying to sort of find his own way and and reconcile his, you know, his reading and writing and book-loving tendencies and, and and his desire to express himself in what was then considered a healthy fashion. So I feel like I've been talking too much. Someone else say something. <laughs> well, uh, Terrence, uh, uh, you know, you and I studied philosophy. Um, I don't remember. I don't remember any. But I mean, Nietzsche's got a little bit of stuff, of, and and obviously the connection to Robert E. Howard in the movie. Uh, that which does not kill you makes you stronger. That is not something I ever heard Howard say himself. But um, I guess what was it? Um, John Milius and who wrote that script? Oliver. Uh, Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone. Right. Um, I think they make that connection, and I think. I mean, I think that original movie is terrific because it takes no particular adventure and and puts them all in a blender and then comes out with a through line that is a story uh, that doesn't match the one that we've got from the actual Robert E. Howard, but it does match the philosophy. Um, and uh, I think I, I'm I I can't think of anybody in philosophy other than. Like I say, Nietzsche, and he's not really, he's not doing the, he's not doing bench presses here, <laughs> right? That talks about masculinity in, in the way that Robert E. Howard does, not as a philosopher, uh, of setting up a philosophy, but setting up a, I don't know, a model for, um, a philosophy. So Conan has a philosophy, um, and there are a couple scenes like in Queen of the Black Coast, um, where he, he sat in the market, uh, I guess, the Agora, and listened to the philosophers um, yeah. for, a, for a minute, right? But, I would say, if life is an illusion, then I'm an illusion, too. Uh, that's Cull. And Cull is – that's the – I really love Cull. I think Cull is um, – he is the philosopher uh, of Howard's – you know, um, Solomon <laughs> Solomon Cain is the, is the religious fanatic, right? Right. Um, Conan is the man of action and the man of, uh, uh, you know, it's always says gigantic melancholies and gigantic mirth. It's most, mostly scenes with melancholies and the occasional joke, right? Yes. Um, but no, it is, uh, it's Queen of the Black Coast. Yeah. It's, uh, if yeah. life is an illusion, then I'm no less an illusion. And right. Being thus, the illusion is real to me. Yeah. That line isn't, yeah, yeah you're right. Um, and, and at the beginning, um, you know, there's that philosophy with the judge, right, and stuff like that. But, but Terrence, am I am I wrong in saying that this isn't really covered in at least Western philosophy? No, it's um, like you said, there's a debate on 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 uh, masculinity. So um, between Howard and Lovecraft, so that's sort of like um, which is more important uh, to a, a, a constructed virtue like masculinity is it the body or is it the the mind um uh, lovecraft's uh, masculinity is more mental and so uh, the connection with the wild um is or the idea of the wild is different nature yeah especially nature yeah. for for conan it's just nature with a little 
a bit of supernatural, but um, uh, Lovecraft's Wild is uh, so crazy and eldritch that um, it doesn't leave room for um, uh, uh, taking on Cthulhu uh, because you're really fast and really strong and you've got the wild inside you. That is not going to stand up to something that's from a, a level of nature totally dehumanized and totally cosmic. That's why. That's uh, why I think Veil of Lost Women is so interesting because yeah. he fights a Lovecraftian god and he doesn't come away clean. Uh, but neither does the god, right? The idea is that like we're fucking awesome human beings as creatures. We're amazing and we have amazing bodies and women are shapely. And <laughs> notice that every muscle is described as supple, right? Yeah, supple. That word comes up so many times. Supple, pantherish. Yeah, like the adjectives that that that. Um, oh, oh my God! With the, I love. There's a line in early with Shah Armarath pulls out his sword out of its scabbard and it purrs, right? Like, yes. Oh my God! Like, it's poetry. It's like it comes from silk. Yeah, and and yeah. from silk. And yeah, it's he laughed and the laughter was like the perver sword sliding from a silken sheath. Yeah. And there's there is a uh, a, a definite relationship between um what Shah Amarath wants to do to Olivia. I, I guess he's been raping her since he's bought her or whatever. Um uh, versus what the monster uh, the the gray ape wants to basically eat her sex her. It's kind of unclear, right? Um, and then Conan's like, you know, those are toxic masculinity. <laughs> right? There's this, there's this, um, <laughs> there's this negative form of masculinity out there where, you know, you're, yeah, you, you, we're not, I'm a barbarian, but I'm not a monster, right? I'm, right. I'm a gentleman. Yeah. And, and so Shah Amarath, who is a, he is a Shah, he's a king, right? Of the city of Akif, I guess. Um, and I, I, I need somebody to clarify me the difference between Turanians versus Hyrcanians. Are all, all Turanians are Hyrcanians, but not all Turanians are Her, uh, is it, how, how does I this don't, work? I don't have I, my copy of the RPG I, handy. I believe the Hyrcanians are a race and the Turanians are a nationality. Right. Yes. Okay. There you go. And I, I was also trying to work out, uh, the Vilayet is, I think it's either the Caspian Sea, uh, approximately. Or it's the Mediterranean, approximately, or it's like the Persian Gulf. Approximately. Feel free, feel free to do a little hand waving. You yes. know what I mean? Yes. It, it'll, it really helps Hyper- smooth the edges of the map out. Yeah, Hyperborean g- geography is. Yeah, you can't really correspond it that well. Well, to Hyboria our is Europe, right? The, this is, but this it, is it isn't. Asia. It isn't. It isn't. If you, I mean, if you look at maps of that people have done of Hyboria, and it's it. It's it's not even like pre Ice Age. It's just it's 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 kind of like trying to map Middle Earth to to Europe. Yeah. You can kind of, but you really not. And well, then Vendi, how do you say it? Vendhaya. You just were tweeting about this, Vin, Alex. Vindia. 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 Okay. Yeah, it's it's the stand-in for that's India. India. Okay, and then Kaite is that how you say it? I, I don't Kita- know. Kita- it's China. Oh, that's China. Um, I don't think he has Japan, although I, there are adventures where Conan goes to basically Japan, right? I think that's like the islands of Mu, isn't it? Ah, interesting. The, the, the whole, uh, I, I, I thought we talked about it, but I'll, I'll rule briefly. The, the way he designed this was he was trying to, uh, fill in 
this blank spot in the historical record. Right. And, and his whole idea was, you know, and it's very, uh, it's, it's a, it's a starting place, which is what it was. Cause I think it later becomes much more fluid, but his, his initial idea was, let me take these things on the modern map and see if I can't walk them backwards into the Hyborian age. And so allowing for, um, allowing for people to migrate and borders to change and language to change. Uh, he tried to, as best as he could come up with, uh, analogs. Uh, and so he, you know, that's how Vindia becomes India. Mm -hmm. You know, she's not a dev. She's a Devi, not a Rani, right? Right, and 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 all of that stuff was designed to sort of like this is where we are ten thousand years ago, and if you look at the map, you can kind of see where we sort of ended up, and and I think had he kept writing Conan stories and kept doing this, you would have seen the the map change and fluctuate, and he may well have even redrawn it at some point. Mm, okay. But but I think the idea it's a Mediterranean, really. Yeah, yeah, because because he, he hadn't thought it out that far, you know, yeah. and so yeah, I mostly. I, I think for him, mostly it was just a way to put a bunch of adventure locations on one map and have mm-hmm. a guy be able to wander yeah. through. Like, I want to be a pirate this week. Yep. And then next month, I need to be a, you know, a steps raider. Yeah. And so the, the, the Kozaki, I, I, I assume, I've not read this anywhere. They're the Cossacks, right? Right. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, there you go. I'm, I'm doing great. <laughs> Hurricanians, <laughs> are they like, uh, the Rus step, uh, Iranian? Uh, I don't know, Western Asia folks. Yeah, like the 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 Mongols. Yeah, uh, but in that sort of Red Sonia uh, is supposed to be a Hyrcania, uh, Hyrcanian. I know she's not uh, a Howard creation. Um, although the original uh, Sonia was from that region, right? Um, she was uh Polish, I think. Yeah, like she's a real. Did you know Polish she's like generic. a real person? Her sister's a real person. Ah, okay. Her sister's a real person. Yeah, her father's a real person, right? Yeah. I was like, wow. Um, yeah, I, I, I want, I don't, I haven't read very much of, um, I haven't read very much of his historical stuff. I really want to. There's a, there's a, uh, a great comic adaptation of, uh, I want to say Men of Iron, but that's not what it is. Um, of, uh, a crusader. What's the crusader one that I'm thinking? Oh, of? Cormac oh, Hawks, Hawks of Outremere. Hawks of the Outremere, right? Yeah, and Outremere. Oh, we have that on like as war. Yeah, yeah, schedule. yeah. I need to get an audio. I need somebody to do an audiobook of that so I can make it a legit show. But I, uh, uh, I wrote the afterword to that trade paperback. Oh, it's so, it's so. The art in there is so good. Who's it? It is. It's very good. Is it Joe Jusco does the covers? I can't remember. Uh, no, it's not him. It's. Uh... I'll have to. I'll have to look. I he's can't remember. This, he, he's got this look. He's he's basically the Punisher in armor, right? Mm-hmm. And then he's. It looks like he's the bad guy too. Um, like in in the end, he's like, "Oh shit! I've I've been crusading, killing all these guys, and they they just want peace." Oh fuck! <laughs> you uh, you'll really like those stories, cool. uh, especially the Cormac stories, because they're the they're the most they're the closest thing. Uh, chronologically to the Conan stories that Howard mm. was writing. He, mm. he was coming off of those stories 
when he got to Conan. And so Cormac uh, Fitzjeffrey holds a lot of the same emotional uh, space in terms of how he chooses to operate and see the world. Awesome. And uh, and the, the stuff that's in these middling Conan stories where they're riding out on the steps and he's a mercenary and he looks out and the army's three times bigger than it's supposed to be and all that. That's all stuff from those historical mm. uh, uh, Oriental and, and Middle Eastern adventures. So, yeah, yeah, hi- highly recommended. That whole uh, clutch of stories is just fantastic. It's some of his best stuff. I- I'm reminded of a great movie from 85 called uh, Flesh and Blood. You all seen this movie? Oh, Howard, I, yes. I, early Paul uh, Verhoeven. Yep. Oh, I, I love Verhoeven. Um, I love his outrageousness and what he does on screen, you know, like <laughs> to the audience, right? Um, but, uh, Rutger Hauer and Jennifer Jason Lee, mercenaries, um, in, uh, I guess just after the Middle Ages or whatever. And, and the Black Death. Oh, so good. Or is it a red death? Whatever. There's a red, there's some sort of plague and, oh, it's, it's brutal and wonderful. And, uh, there's a great battle sequence that I think it's at the beginning, um, where they're coming off and, and they're like Conan, uh, getting unpaid, right? Uh, the mercenaries, uh, the Cossacks or the Kazaki, right? Being unpaid. Mm-hmm. There's this whole backstory. Um, now in the, uh, Dark Horse adaptation, which, uh, I'm kind of down. Love the art, but I don't like the way the story was put together. For some reason, uh, whoever wrote it decided that Olivia should do the narration, which I, I yeah, I noticed that too. I don't think it makes sense because um, she is the she is the viewpoint character for sure, um, but she is not. Uh, it doesn't make sense for her to do the narration. I don't think. Um, I, 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 Why not? Uh, I want, I want you to unpack that a little. Yeah, because, so because I thought because I thought it was in, I was, I thought it was interesting, but I want to see your point before I well, counter it. Well, uh, I love you know how how long does this take the story take place over? Like two and a half days, right? Something like that. Mm-hmm. Something like that. We've, yeah, we've got uh, the the confrontation in the reeds, which I think is mm. uh, is one of uh, Howard's best scenes. It's not. Uh, I don't think this story is his best story, but I think that. That scene is one of his best scenes. It's just beautiful to read. Um, the description is gorgeous, and uh, it makes you really hate that guy immediately. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Cheer when he gets chopped to bits. Oh, the fact that and and the fact that when he is getting chopped to bits, Olivia can't can't see it, right? Um, I think that's why it doesn't make as much sense. So, Olivia has two dreams um, in the story. I think right. One is when Conan's rowing, and the second is in, I want to say, the temple. Is it, is it a temple? The ruin? The yes. Hall. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, in the adaptation by Dark Horse, they actually have a prologue that is different from the prologue in the uh, Savage Sword. which Right. Is, and, and that prologue shows what her dream is, right? And we have this scene with the, the Negroes who aren't Negroes. Um, yeah, I notice in the uh, Savage Sword adaptation, they're Cush. He calls them Cushites rather than right, uh, or he says they're not Cushites, right? So I'm not sure what what all uh, like that that their skin is black. Uh, the fact that they're made of iron, I don't know. <laughs> if you've got an iron statue, 
I don't know if they're supposed to be like, I think he must, he's saying they're, they look Negroid is what I think he's trying to say. But the also text, says not. they don't look Negroid. Right. So like, what does it mean that they have black skin? Cause they're, they're fucking iron statues. They're the color of iron is my assumption, or unless they're painted or something. I think he's trying to sort of, uh, express their otherworldliness, you know? Right. Uh, they're, 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 black statues but they are not statues of black people right and yeah. and i think that was sort of his way of of doing it because you know he, he's howard uses a kind of a quasi um uh I, not a it's sort of an artificially uh baroque language you know and and so I think that phrasing is a little awkward cuz that was the the mode he was in but essentially they're they're oversized black statues he just didn't want anybody to think oh i'm not talking about yeah he's not the thing is is there is some some sort of race thing going on there but i don't think it's anti-black as much as it's like because it's in in contrast to the the golden youth right the demigod that that was being tortured and right possibly raped which is interesting like a kind of callback to the early scene right Right. Um, so the fact that Olivia has this dream twice, or has two dreams, one while she's on the water, and I think that's a beautiful uh, sequence as well, where she looks, somebody's probably got the text handy, but she looks down at the, at the water and the sky is reflected in it, and the fact that this is the Villette, uh, which is both a sea and a lake, right? That's why I mm-hmm. think it's the Caspian Sea, which has got one-third the salinity of, of the regular rest of the oceans, right? Um, you can't drink the water, but it's, it's more like a lake than it is like an ocean in, in some sense, right? Um, she's, she has this dream that they're like basically flying through the sky. And then when she has the second dream, notice Conan doesn't have the dream, right? Uh, in the, in the temple, um, she describes what she saw to Conan. She's describing it to us because we are Conan in this, in this uh, situation, right? Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. why I think she, it doesn't make sense for her to narrate it because if she's narrating it, she's telling her story. Um, but actually she's supposed to be telling Conan's story in a certain sense, but she doesn't even do that, right? The narrator is viewing her story through Conan's or, She's viewing the story of Conan through over her shoulder. So we shouldn't be inside her head or her telling this story past tense, especially. Um, especially considering the ending, which I think is, is terrific. It's, it's a standard Conan ending, right? Where basically right. it changed, Conan's always changing jobs. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he can't hold out a job. That's, and I, he, he's not satisfied, right? At the end of Red Nails or the beginning of Red Nails, he's, he's just come off of a, a bit of piracy, chase some girl across across the landscape, and then uh, there's an incident with the city, and then ah, we're gonna go uh, pillage a few towns over or whatever. And then well, he's to changing. Be, to jobs. be fair, he is waiting for a management position. You know, he's holding <laughs> out, <laughs> and he eventually does get one, but it takes yeah. Time. 
Yeah, you know, you, you, you dress for the job you want, guys. Come on. <laughs> Sandals, apparently, to, uh, <laughs> yes. to yes, uh, to crush the... Tread the jeweled uh, thrones of the earth, exactly. That's right, under his sandaled feet. There you go. Hey, Jesse, I want to I read, read that bit with the lake because, because, because the reader should understand just how beautiful this prose can be. The sun sank like a dull, glowing copper ball into a lake of fire. The blue of the sea merged with the blue of the sky and both turned to soft, dark velvet, clustered with stars and the mirrors of stars. Olivia reclined in the bows of the gently rocking boat in a state dreamy and unreal. She experienced an illusion that she was floating in midair, stars beneath her as well as above. Her silent companion was etched vaguely against the softer darkness. There was no break or tatter in the rhythm of his oars. He might have been a phantasmal oarsman rowing her across the dark lake of death. But the edge of her fear was dulled and lulled by the monotony of motion. She passed into a quiet slumber. Mm-hmm. And that's then, so good. When she comes out of, when she wakes up, uh, dawn was in her eyes. Um, she she thinks about his iron thews, right? Um, that female gaze is as strong as the male gaze is in this story. And I think when when people shy away from Robert E. Howard. You know, what we're worried about, uh, <laughs> I guess we're not really that worried, but just annoyed by the, the mire, like Conan is. Yeah. He, notice he says he was almost unmanned by the, by the bugs in that swamp. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. he, you know, the fact that he lifts up that stone to try and see how far he can throw it, right? He, no man could throw that stone across this pasture. <laughs> um, well, you just threw it a few feet, dude. Here. He's showing off his thews, but more importantly, he's, <laughs> he's testing, he's testing his theory. Um, there's something, there's something going on here with the, the, the gaze back and forth, right? She is basically, she's traumatized because, she, you know, her parents sold her into slavery. Um, she was, uh, she was high up. And now she's been, yeah, she's a princess. She's been lowered down to the status of a slave. Um, she's not into, uh, she, she can't think, she thinks everybody's a threat, including Conan at first. But, uh, eventually she's like, she's cool with it, right? And at the end, we get the sense that, oh yeah, they're going to be a couple, right? She got past her trauma. But the thing is, is Howard is not, um, He's not telling fairy stories in the sense that, like, I don't know, a lot of fantasy of modern today, you know, you've got, I don't know, men and women are completely equal and that they're equally tough in a fight. You see this in movies all the time where girls kick men's asses. And yeah, there are women who totally could kick the shit out of my ass, right? Uh, Ronda Rousey (laughs) would make mincemeat of me, right? And even if I probably had a weapon, she'd probably still be able to make wind speed on me. But the thing is, is women are subject to male violence a lot more than men are subject to female violence. And I think this is just a reality. And Conan's making a romance despite, like, not a romance in the sense of, uh, um, you know, girlfriend and boyfriend. A romance is in a story, right? A romantic story, uh, an adventure out of circumstances mm-hmm. that are incredibly horrible and you get that in veil of lost women too um you know they're basically the there's these horrible people who are slaving and killing people and doing all sorts of nasty stuff which is 
you know, history is full of and we're not used to today. I mean, it is happening in the world, but I assume none of you are in Yemen right now or. Uh, yeah. Right. Well, this is this is one of the reasons why I think cultural context and historical context is is, if not paramount, really important when you're looking at at 70, 80 year old texts. Um, there was uh, there was a historical basis for women adventurers in that there were women adventurers when he was writing these stories. Yep. Uh, you know, and so uh, while not necessarily the norm for somebody like Howard, this would have been something that's easy to gravitate to. You know, oh, he absolutely as, that's as why a student we love of history. It. Right. He you know, he loved uh, and admired Joan of Arc, the, the women pirates, the uh, you know, he he never talked about Amelia Earhart, but this is the era of Amelia Earhart, mm-hmm. and and so there's a a lot of really good examples of uh, strong women uh, in the in the culture that are doing what men do. You know, there were uh, Egyptologists who went to uh, to dig in uh, Asia, and you know all of this stuff. So it's not. He he's not pulling the stuff out of his butt. Um, you know, there's historical precedence for all of this, and um, you see it more in his historical stories mm-hmm. because you know it's it should never be forgotten that that Conan was a commercial endeavor. He was trying to sell product to a magazine, and a big part of what was was in the magazine was. Uh, you know, pulp era titillation, you know, mm-hmm. gossamer, diaphanous. Yeah, that's why I got the covers uh, so many times, right? Right, exactly. And that's why Brundage did those covers. And, and you know, that that's the stuff that pulled Weird Tales out of the Depression. Uh, and whenever Howard went up against Seabury Quinn, they frequently tied or jockeyed for most popular story of the of the issue. So the, this is all a this is all a consideration, and I and and it's great that after the break, you know, when he's done his first spate of Conan, he comes back, <clears throat> and one of the things that you notice is that the women have changed uh, positions in in the stories that he's telling. Right? Uh, they are now the evil queens. Mm. They are now the swordswomen that are part of the Red Brotherhood. You know, there's a there's a shift in. Um, in agency. Yeah, uh, Olivia here it, it goes uh, – it's interesting because in one of the – I think it's the Dark Horse adaptation, Conan has a hand in freeing himself. It, Olivia right. mostly does it, but uh, he, he has a hand. But in the actual story written by Howard, it's all her, right? Right. And and yeah. she's saving herself, but she's saving him in order to save herself, Right. And so yes. she is a she is the she is in a sense the main character of the story, right? Oh, definitely. But the she is not in the in the line like if you read um, Red Nails, Valeria is competition for Conan, right? She yes. is she is um, she is a foil for Conan, and their relationship is more more like that of uh, the Red Sonya relationship in the comics than any other relationship. You know, obviously Valeria is in the actual Red Nails adaptation, but Red Sonia's character is mostly that, right? 
is yes. is she's a she's a she's a badass competition for for uh, Conan. She's equally wily, coming from a different she, place and all that stuff. But Olivia here is a woman who is she, she's just she's just a regular person, basically, right? And she has to sort of get what she needs. She needs to become brave enough to you know crawl into that den of pirates and. And the description of them, the motley crew that they are, notice that they are all tortured, right? Howard goes in great detail into how tortured they have been with ears cut off and fingers and hands cut off and the mark of the lash upon them. Not only are they, uh, they, they're like the male version of Olivia, right? Right. They're subservient. They've been cowed into submission. Right. And, and this, uh, this backstory with, I love Conan knows everybody, right? Just shows up. There's a crew of pirates and, oh, I know that guy. I got to kill him. We, we were in an incident in the other story you haven't read yet, right? Uh, what's the Sir, Sir, Sir Giulio or whatever? What's the, uh, captain's name? Uh, hold on. I'll it's, get there. It's like Sergio or something like that. Not Sergio Aragones, but Sergius. Sir, Sergius of Croce. Sergius. Sergius. Yeah. Right. Um, do you think calls. I have forgot? Ha, Sergius never forgets an enemy. Now I'll hang you up by the heels and skin you alive. Adam, lads. Mm. Like, yeah. Yeah. And uh, they have a nice, there's a nice little, it's a boss fight, right? <laughs> we got all these terms for it. I, I was looking at the TV tropes uh, for this story, and uh, it has many, many, many of them. And then they even go into, like, Olivia's, uh, you know, has all these tropes um, for this particular story. But... Um, they don't feel, uh, they're not the, the most, you know, it's not three point landing style trope here. <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's more like, uh, divine right of Kings, except, you know, I'm the toughest guy. So I get, I, I killed your captain. Therefore I get to be captain sort of stuff. I love how Conan's such a lawyer about this too. He's like, no, no, the rules say <laughs> I killed the captain. I get to be the captain. They're like, well, you weren't part of the crew technically. So... <laughs> Conan, the rules lawyer. Yeah, I will. I want to quickly defend uh, Tim Truman in the Dark Horse adaptation. Uh, I specifically, uh, I hear what you're saying regarding the narration. Yeah, Timothy Truman's the uh, not the artist in this case. He's the uh, author. Uh, yeah, scripter. And uh, I think there's a reason why he switches over to Olivia. Uh, in some of the later Conan stories, uh, we stop getting over-the-shoulder narration, and instead what we get is more of an omniscient stance where we get to see and hear the reports of people talking about the thing that Conan did. Conan right, right, goes right. from being the guy in the story that we're watching having the adventure to the guy in the story that everybody's heard about. Mm-hmm. And so... Because Olivia is the main character, backing up and putting the camera behind her, it doesn't really change too much. Because one of the things that I really like about the the adaptation is that getting into it uh, at the very end of the issue, we see Conan's perspective on um, the fight with uh, Shere Khan. Or not Shere Khan, but uh, the <laughs> right. Thank you. Uh, uh, we we get his perspective and we get the disembowelment, and it's it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and then in the next issue, we go back over her story and we get to see that, that same scene again from her point of view. So we don't really lose anything as readers. All the, all the Conan stuff is there. It's just maybe that the camera angle's a little off or wonky in some places because we're we're dealing with her. But it's but that's not um, basically uh, my complaint is is that uh, when I read Roy Thomas adaptation, what I notice is that he doesn't add any words. He he yeah. takes Conan he takes Howard's Conan text, puts in as much as he can, and then condenses. Uh, you know, drops words and lines, um, that aren't in the description, that aren't in the picture, right? He'll, right. He'll drop that. So it's just in comparison. I'm like, damn, sure. this is so good. Like, that's what, uh, I mean, what I, what I always say, you know, Roy Thomas is amazing. It's basically because he just, he, when he captures, when he captures, uh, when he's doing something that isn't an adaptation, he captures Howard's prose. He, he's he's managed to in you know he's I don't know written it down so many times he he knows for example like in the new Marvel fucking travesty uh, <laughs> in in July there was two issues one of Savage Sword and one of uh, Conan the Barbarian where both the word ass was used twice and I swear to God I've never seen Conan you know there's not a Howard story that I remember where ass is used and if it is it'd be in one of the comedy pieces. Right. Um, and it, mm-hmm. uh, it's just not a word he would use. So the fact that people are calling Conan an ass, um, uh, that's not how they, that's not how the insults work. Cur is a, is a dog slut, right? Those are, it's just the language is, is so special. And so by going away from it, I just don't think it's as good. And so any, anytime there's a change, like, um, there's a, there's a, when when they just land on the isle, um, the nameless island of, I, I think on the maps it says uh, the temple skeleton, not temple statues or whatever, island of the mm-hmm. temple ta- statues. When they first land on the island, um, Olivia's still freaking out, right? She's, uh, what are we going to do? And all this stuff. And he says, well, uh, would you have preferred I left you behind? I can take you back. Oh <laughs> uh, no no he says would i prefer to have left left you behind and she's that's enough that's in the story and in the uh savage sword whereas in the truman he actually does it's almost like a threat i i'll take you back right um and w- why that change i don't know but it does change the dynamic it's almost like conan's being cruel here and i don't think he is cruel at all i think i mean he's not he's not uh babying her but he's not being cruel um and 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 the in that scene where she's being hard not cruel yeah, yeah but especially like at the at the right after he finishes quartering i love i love that howard does that right he says quarter <laughs> i'll give you a quarter and he quarters him right it doesn't actually say that but that's what it that's what's implied um and it's because we're seeing it we're hearing it from from uh, Olivia's point of view, right? So, so when when they get to the island and uh, or when when he's finished doing that and he's sort of walking away, he doesn't even notice her, right? And she has to be the active one and say, "Hey, what about me? And uh, can you help me? And I I'm afraid of you too, 
right? Um, so she's there, really active in this story. She is. She is the. I think she is the main character, right? Um, and I and that it, that distancing effect um, that Howard does is it's. I think it's him trying to be um, keep it interesting, right? Because he is making up, this formula. Yeah. Well, he he's got this formula that he does need to do. You know, you have to have the beautiful babe in distress, especially if she's getting whipped. That's great. You might get the cover, right? Um, throw in the it has to have some sorcery. It has to have the, right to get the recipe right. Get the it, monster. Yeah, you to got, check, uh, check off those boxes. Abs- it, it, he he's doing it as you know when. When Lovecraft wrote into Weird Tales, he says, you can take my stories or leave them, but don't change them, right? And then when he doesn't get paid, he's like snubbing the magazine, right? Whereas Howard's like, fuck, I need to sell more stuff. Okay, please uh, pay me for my last one. Here's a new story. I hope uh, you'll like it. I need that bonus for the cover. (laughs) So he's definitely, he's playing it up. He's playing it up, but uh, that's why the text feels so weird it's got like those four different elements right the 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 sorcery the uh which 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 doesn't really do anything to the story in a certain sense right it's it's just a it's to make make sure it has that sorcery yeah yeah i mean the story is really like three set pieces you have the the confrontation in the reeds you have you have you have have the the statues in the dreams and then you have and then you have him fighting to become a pirate. The pirates, the, right. the head of pirates. So it's like, oh, it's and don't forget the, like, yeah, the monkey. What's that? Don't forget the also monkey. a giant ape. Yeah, also giant a giant ape. ape. Well, I, I'm putting out with like that's that's part two. So you got like three different elements here, which are kind of like strung along like beads on a string. And what they all exactly have to do with each other is kind of little it's, wonky. It's but just you what know, happened, right? It's just what happened to, it's just to, what on, happened, like, over, on a weekend. Three, yeah, three days of three days of Conan. The story. That's that's why I was saying, like, you know, if you want to hire somebody to do the voice of Conan, uh, in, you know, to supervise the Marvel, they should hire the person who does uh, Conan, the salary man. Oh yes, oh yeah, that that's a great Twitter account. Because that yes. that account uh, is it's so funny, right? Because it is this. How could Conan put up with this? Well, he can't. <laughs> He's very frustrated. And apparently, uh, I don't know if you guys looked into this, but um, uh, I, I think it's a transgender person who runs the account, and they uh, she lives in Japan, um, so she really is a salary man, right? Oh, that's funny. <laughs> and and uh, they somebody figured that out because of the uh, the the holy days or whatever in Japan give a different like long weekend, and uh, you you know you can dig into it, but there's another account associated with it, and. And it's just really funny um, that this person living in Japan has ca- – I think the reason that account is so good – I'm not an office worker, so I, 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 I don't – it doesn't resonate with me as the way it will resonate with Paul, but, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah I, I feel Conan the salary bed real right, You want to flip your desk every day, right? <laughs> Sundays, Jesse, Sundays. <laughs> That's uh, that's that scene from Thor where he flips the table, right? Because uh, I don't know, it's the Dark World. He flips the table because he's so frustrated. Uh, you know, he's always sending his monitor through the win- window or smashing his keyboard with a gigantic fist, right? And he's right. In the elevator, whatever it is. Uh, the person who's running that account understands the power of Howard's adjectives and and attitude and viewpoint in the world, and it is incompatible. With, uh, like the, 
the only place where you could really have that is like in, I don't know, MMA or something to like, if you're, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, or boxing or something like that. If you're, if you're, if you want to have that kind of prose and that kind of attitude, you can't have it in an office, right? Where he's got, why doesn't his boss fire him? It doesn't make any sense. He smashed the things. <laughs> well, uh, Frank Miller actually kind of brought this up in Sin City. Uh, what's his name? Marv is described as, Conan in a noir story. Like he's just totally out of place and everyone right. knows this giant semi psychotic you know killer is like in other times he'd be a hero and be throwing women to him, but here he's just the crazy guy. Mm. But he still operates off that code, right? Yeah. He's still got and, and and this is where the philosophy uh, is more of a with Conan it's more of a code. Mm. And and that's why you know, we don't sell our children. We don't rape our women. You know, that's that. Uh, he he's he's working off this sort of personal moral compass that he has, uh, and so I, that's uh, which is great because you know there's certainly philosophical underpinnings to it. But the nice thing about a code is that you can always allow for an exception. Mm. Ordinarily, mm. I wouldn't attack him unarmed, but he's killed my brother. And deserves doesn't deserve the respect of my code, so I'm just going to put a rock in his head. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's what's nice about it is is Conan is his own arbiter in this case. He keeps his own counsel when he's going to go off book and say trick the pirates into going into the room with the mist that turns into physical monsters whenever they get there. You know. Mm-hmm. He, there's always an angle to, to be played. And so that's why even though we can take Conan at his word when we're reading the stories, nobody else can or mm. does. Mm. Because, because what they view as barbaric cunning is basically Conan going, nah, just don't suffer assholes. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I know, uh, I think there's this, uh, one of those, I don't buy any of that stuff, but there's a, you know, like a statue or something that somebody, I think it's might be an, uh, adaptation from a scene in in the savage sword uh version where he's got olivia over his shoulder and he's running away uh basically he's like i think he's either running from the forest uh or he's running up the mountain Um, definitely the dark horse as well yeah yeah that's uh, where he he just picks her up because she's having trouble i think she's wearing high heels or whatever (laughs) no uh, she's he's you know mountain cat or whatever and he's he's i i love the confidence he has when uh he says um uh i i was raised in a hard hard land uh if we get to the step we'll live don't worry i got i got this i i only thing that can unman me is is mosquitoes right <laughs> in, in the swamp but uh, he that iconic scene where he's got her over his shoulder and she's got a very shapely uh, supple ass right um is a, the kind of thing that kind of scene is where people who are outside of the actual lovers of uh, Robert E. Howard's prose, which I think is uh, prose poetry, um, they see it and they say, "Oh, toxic masculinity." <laughs> they think of the, "Oh, he's 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 stolen this woman. He's going to rape her." Actually, that's what he's fighting against. That's the whole point, right? Is that it, it's like almost it's like. Robert E. Howard was too too nice a guy um, compared to all the other sort of asshole 
guys who wanted to date women. He's like, oh, you assholes. Uh, let's box or <laughs> whatever. And he'd like to throw, be able to throw a woman over his shoulder and save her from. And that's what women like about, uh, you were saying, uh, it was Gertrude, was it? Yes. I, I was thinking, uh, Gertrude, Gertrude Barrows Bennett. Uh, but I, I doubt it's the same Gertrude. Um, I, I, I've read a lot of weird tales, um, letters column, but I don't, I don't remember I, that, hers specifically. Um, but th- there is a, um, appreciation. It's, it's, it's Gertrude Hemken. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the fact, like, if you, uh, I, I don't do Instagram. You guys, any, anybody do Instagram? I, but, I have an Instagram account, but I just share my photos on it. Yeah. Well, your photos are of landscapes. That's not going to do well on Instagram. I, I, my, I know. My, my, uh, feeling is that Instagram is mostly, um, uh, faces and asses. Am I wrong? <laughs> I don't, um, I don't have not. Instagram. I don't know. Okay. Um, and, and girls seem to like it more than boys. Girls like having their, well, they like prepping. And I'm not, obviously I'm speaking, uh, as a generality, right? Um, prepping and taking a good photo and angling the face and all that stuff, right? And men, uh, like to be thought of as competent. And there's something going on here. He's really exploring, I think, in a f- philosophical way. So like, how to be, how to be a man. And, I think that's the appeal. Like I started reading these when I was uh probably 12. Um something like that and I'm like god damn this guy's tough. God damn this guy's got the right, right attitude. And it's not like uh ha 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 let's uh rape some girls or ha 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 she's got a sexy ass. It's not that. It's more like um look, we're human creatures. Um women have certain dispositions. Some of them are gay, some of them are not. Uh you know <laughs> Men are certain creatures. Some of them are gay. Some of them are not. And he's, I think it's really important to think about how, why does Howard never take us to Samaria, right? And every time they do adaptations, they always want to say, oh, let's go see Samaria. Conan goes back to Samaria. I think the whole point is to see a man out of his element, right? not in a comfortable environment and see how he should act. Right. And the fact that Conan's always changing jobs, right. Can't, he's got those roving feet, um, that he's, he's never satisfied with where he is. There's something, uh, powerful about that idea. And, and the, you know, it isn't like Solomon Kane's got a whole other deal going on. I really dig. I, I think I even almost like Solomon Kane more than, uh, Conan. And Cull, he's just great, right? But Conan is is sort of the baseline, um, how to be a man. Solomon Cain's like, I don't know, how to have a philosophy towards towards evil in the world. And Cull's like, what is real, man? <laughs> Conan's like, oh, look, it's good to have a powerful body. It's good to have skills. It's good to be able to command respect. Right. And I, I just think that if, if you look past, yeah, how clunkily, um, oh, he's got to go through the checklist to get the story. It's amazing that the story's so good. Like it's a checklist, but the prose is gorgeous and he's dealing with real themes that are those mirrorings between Shah Amarath and the unnamed monkey and, uh, Sir, Sergis or Sir, whatever his name is. Um, 
And, and, and more importantly, guys, we have not talked about the parrot. <laughs> we need to talk about the parrot, okay? Because it plays a role, and uh, I, I spent more time than you can possibly uh, justify in trying to figure out a way for it not to be uh, bad biology. Because <laughs> um, if this is a trop, if this is near like the tropics, like uh, if this was not the Mediterranean, but um, the Persian Gulf, there could be some justification for having a parrot that has green and red, but it can't be if it's the Caspian Sea. <laughs> New world parrots are colorful. Old world parrots are generally uncolorful. The only excuse I can make is uh, Robert E. Howard knew this. That's why he said it was a a thousand-year-old parrot. (laughs) It's an extinct bird, and it's also 10,000 years ago. But I spent more time trying to figure out what kind of parrot it was supposed to be. I think think you wasted time trying that. I wasted my time. But it, it, it plays a role in the story. In fact, there's other parrots as well. It's not just the one, right? Yeah, as the harbinger, you know, uh, the 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 chorus, and, the, and we never learned what its that, words mean, right? But we no, got the uh, idea. Uh, uh, yeah, we we don't really know until we get there and go. Oh, that's going to be the thing that they say, you know. Right. But I think, uh, yeah, that's uh, regarding the parrot. That was. Um, that was a detail that certainly most of the readers of weird tales weren't going to know. And, and, uh, if Howard had seen a parrot, uh, it may have been at the circus, but I guarantee it. He didn't read up in, on, you know, the ornithology. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he didn't I mean? do a quick Wikipedia look. Up. No, he did. I mean, no, uh, most not. people don't know. Uh, and most, and frankly, most people don't care. And basically my, my complaint, my complaint is whenever, whenever I'm in a, there was a show a few years ago called Da Vinci's demons. I think it was called. And it was, yeah. um, did you get, you see that? I know. I, I did it. see, but I know it. Yeah. Okay. And I, I bitched about it when I, I was, wa- I watch shows and then I bitch about them on Twitter and also tweet all sorts of political stuff. But really, I really love following the communists. They're just, they're, they're so on point. <laughs> and they have this, they have really great memes, like where somebody's talking or something. And then suddenly, oh, there's, there was a great one the other day. Um, uh, some Nazi, uh, in Eastern Europe, you know, left over from World War II is standing in his uniform and he's giving a speech. And then, um, uh, uh, he just died, like he's in the middle of the speech, and uh, he's like, oh, and he f- grabs onto the microphone stand, and then he falls to the ground, and he's dead, right? Um, so what they did was they added a, a Stalin pop up in the background, and his eyes start glowing red, and then the guy died. <laughs> I was like, well, this guy just died, but yeah, he was a fucking Nazi, and more importantly, it's really funny. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I, 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 I want to say that there are justifications for my tweets that are political and stuff, but. Um, basically, uh, the problem I had with Da Vinci's demons was that they didn't fucking care about what they're doing. And, yeah. And so like when, you know, he's whatever the actor is walking through the marketplace and they've got a new age, uh, macaw, a new, new world macaw, you know, some, a bird from South America in the marketplace in 1490 or 1489 or whatever. I'm like, 
You don't fucking I, care about what you're doing, do you? They just I remember said, Go this get- Twitter rant of yours. That's right. <laughs> and the thing is, is this kind of shit, this kind of detail, I care about. So the fact that Howard doesn't care bothers me because I like Co- Howard, Howard's work. But I understand also that Howard was not – that's why he put it in this fantasy world, right? So that he could – I mean – if I'm complaining, so he didn't have to fact check. Yes. Exactly. Research is hard. It when you're is writing a fantasy hard. story, you easily spend yourself wasting hours trying to find Indeed. some weird detail. Like, how did the mail work in that century as opposed to century later when the scales overlap a different way? Exactly. You know what? Screw it. Fantasy world. It's all different. Specifically, exactly. you have to consider that Howard didn't have access to modern libraries on a regular basis. uh, Like he's writing in, uh, he wrote in letters to adventure to ask uh, what Harold Lamb questions about. Right. uh, uh, How the steps of, you know, what kind of swords they would have on the steps in uh, 11th century um, Uzbekistan. Right. (laughs) Um, Because he wants that detail in his story. And it is a fucking ton of work to do all that shit. So the fact that he just gets on with it, um, I can totally get behind because it's so good, despite the fact that, yeah, when when they come to that island, they, he's seen a fruit they've never seen before. Um, he doesn't say uh, what it is because th- that's, not imp- that's not important. What's important is that it's a fruit, right? Yeah. And they're hungry. And they're it's hungry. And it's not po- like it is in Red Nails, right, where they use it to kill the dinosaur. Like the right. fact that there's a dinosaur in it, it, oh, I could get all upset about how it doesn't fit. Well, if, if I'm noticing, if I'm noticing that there's the parrots wrong and the snake, like they get snakes wrong all the time too in movies, you know, it's supposed to be set in Africa and they've got a South American snake or, or vice yeah. versa. Um, it pisses me off because I, I'm noticing things I shouldn't be noticing. Um, so you're not engaged enough in the story. You're not buying in enough and. Your attention's wandering enough to notice that, wait a minute, that's not belonging. So it's a failure of the general work itself yes, that, you're, yes. that you're noticing, the, re- that I you was... have the time to notice these problems. I mean, there are some things called a fridge moment where you, afterwards, you feel like, wait a minute, after things are like, wait a minute, that parrot should not have been there. But if you're watching and it's, it's occurring to you as you're watching, then, then, then the storytelling of the story or the movie or whatnot is falling down right then and there. But he doesn't, he doesn't say it's a, it's a macaw, right? If he had said it was a macaw, I'm like, dude, you just fucked up. But, you know, I, I did, I, I found some stretch cases that on, you know, assuming that the range, like, I'm working all this extra hard to, to say that this is good work because I want to be able to justify my own belief. I, I was reading that, New Bellet comic. Do you guys know about this Marvel's? Uh, co- I, I know about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Don't read it. It's shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the thing is, is I don't want to say, you know, the artists are are shit. They just don't know what the fuck they're doing, or they don't care, or it's just a paycheck or whatever. But there's there's a har there's a ship and it's in a harbor, hidden in a harbor, um, away from a storm that's raging in the background. It's hidden. It has full sails on. The water is calm, and it has gun ports. Why does yeah. this ship have gun ports? Gun ports, yeah. Because the minute. artist needed a reference and went online and found a ship and copied down what he or she saw. 
and that's why it looks like that. And and I'm like, right. if you're if you're gonna have a story uh, by Bellet, there's a there's an artist uh, I don't remember her name, uh, writer artist who wrote a book uh, called Baggy Wrinkles. It's a comic book about sea sailing. You know? Oh like, yeah, yeah, Lucy um, Lucy uh, Bellwood. Bell, Bellwood. That's right. She's yeah, she's great. It's Fantastic. a great, great story. Her art does not match, uh, traditional Conan art, but neither did the Conan, uh, you know, the art in, in the, uh, Bellet. It wasn't, uh, it was more manga-like. I, I don't have a problem with it as long as it's, you know, it's competent and looks good. More importantly, if you're gonna have a sailor story, have somebody who knows what fucking boats look like and how boats work and, and, uh, you know, how long it takes to get from place to place and, and that sort of stuff because, It'll make it better, right? Howard is not going around sword fighting guys. I mean, probably play sword fighting, but he does a competent enough job for me. And more importantly, he does know what fighting's like. And he, he, he's got the prose and he's got the poetry and he can make a formulaic story great despite the formula. Whereas I think a lot of people, they, they say, well, I gotta get, I gotta get that monkey in. I gotta get the check. I gotta get all the things. And so they're making these new adventures and like they just don't know what they're doing because they don't, they don't start with that basic love of, I don't know, po- poetry basically. Is, is, am I wrong, Mark, that he uh, thought of himself as a poet? Uh, he would never have introduced himself that way. No, you, but, that uh, would have gotten him beaten up. <laughs> well, I, was, I think more specifically, he was, he was just sort of naturally humbled. He never, studied poetry formally but he grew up listening to it he grew up taking it apart uh and and it's actually lovecraft who essentially defends him in a letter and says you are a poet and you're not an insignificant one either at that and his response is thanks very kindly for the nice things that you said you know he doesn't Mm. uh you know but but yeah um i don't know that howard ever sat down and analyzed his own style. I think he wrote the way he wrote mm. kind of his poetry is beautiful. Uh, I find yeah, it, I find amazing. it, um, I, you know, I, I actually love Lovecraft's poems. I think more than I love his stories. Uh, I think his stories are really good. Some of them are, you know, just one of some of my favorites. Um, I think I love Howard's prose more than I love his poetry, but I, I don't think there's as much poetry by, uh, Howard, but it, he, he, he's 700 very, poems, 700. Uh, holy cow. They're just all hidden from me, I guess. Yeah. It's the, the, the complete poetry of Robert E. Howard is an ongoing suitcase of, wow. of a book. It's just ridiculous how bit, how much he wrote. I think I've only uh, read Samaria. Oh dude, well, you gotta read. So he, he's got some great lesbian stuff. It's like fucking hot. <laughs> And, you know, and, and, and the more importantly, I think that stuff ends up in a lot of his uh, prose. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it, it the, is the gorgeous. alliteration and rhythm and assonance and it was in uh, that section that Paul read, right? Uh, yeah, with the lull of the, of the rowing and, and the dull lull. It's, it, he, he was, a, was I, I don't know if you should study poetry, but he was really good at it. Yeah. He was uh, he was fantastic at it, and uh, it's one of the reasons why I studied poetry, because I wanted in, in the unpacking of Howard's 
uh, pros, I wanted to know how he did it, you mm-hmm. know, and, mm-hmm. and you well, know, all and these technical ever, terms are. Yeah. Yeah. You don't always get there, but once you see that there's, uh, once you start looking at, at meters and couplets, you start realizing that, that this is stuff that Howard intuited and, and, and that's why his prose has that sort of, uh, richness to it mm-hmm. and i think i think it's what captivates even when you're talking about scenes of horrible violence or uh, kings dying from being poisoned or you know whatever there's always uh there, there's a there's beauty in the savagery mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah i just want to say two things i yep. think one when you break his text apart into tweets it's really obvious how poetic it is because oh, people so in like gorgeous. little individual lines and mm-hmm. two, this is why nobody else has been able to write a convincing Conan story. They write mm-hmm. good stories, and I like a lot of them, but none of them actually sound like Howard because they don't have that poetry in the text. Mm-hmm. You know, people can write prose and they can write a story, but Howard wasn't just writing stories; it was the yeah. vocabulary and the rhythm. I think he managed. Uh, I think he managed to write some Lovecraft stories. I mean, they're obviously. Uh, that Howard was able to l- write Lovecraft stories. He's got a bunch of them that, you know, are basically, hey, uh, I can do that too. <laughs> Conan in the mythos, yes. Right? Um, and, and the thing is, is they end up being uh, very much Howard stories anyways, just because Howard's disposition was so different um, and way of doing it. But, uh, you know, the Black Stone is a... No, I love that story. It's a great yeah. story, and uh, it's one of many. There's a number, and that's how actually how I came to Lovecraft is through Howard. I started with Howard, and I'm like, well, what was that collaboration story where Lovecraft started? Oh, and the guy like goes to an alien planet, becomes a weird alien bug, and then yeah. like, passes uh, out, and the then Conan finishes it where he wakes up and is like, screw it, I'm going to take over this planet, and he <laughs> starts tearing people apart. <laughs> I think it's the challenge from beyond. That's the one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't read it. Um, I, I haven't read it either. It sounds interesting. Uh, Terrence, how, how many Conan stories have you read? Is this your first? No, I've read uh, two or three. I've read Queen of the Black Coast, and mm-hmm. I forget. And, so I don't know. And how are you liking enough. it? Well, I was impressed. Um, like you said, that the language was sort of like the the main character. It is. So, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah I like and the, that. that the, the, the checkpoints, um, you could see it as mechanical, um, but the fact of managing, um, uh, aside from the, the Shah at the beginning, three totally different um, dangers that interfered with each other or relayed each other at the same time made it a, a really complex story and not just like a simple linear um hero bashes everyone up story mm-hmm. yeah. I, yeah i mean conan was an inspiration to early dungeons and dragons and you can tell what i mean i know a lot of my gm he's like okay so you roll here roll encounter oh here come the iron statues coming to life mm. oh let's run away up oh, and here are some pirates and and mixing and matching and and people with different powers and and he, even skill checks. I mean, Conan tries to convince the pirates that he should be their captain now after he <laughs> killed the thing and lose rules. Laws. Oh, roll, roll your persuasion check. Oh, you failed. Okay, we'll knock you out while they decide what to do with you. Okay, Olivia, what are you doing in the meantime? It's like, right. so, so, I, I, so I, I keep thinking these in role-playing ga- game scenarios and how you would break them down and run them. And I'm sure 
Gygax and Arneson and the rest did that when he, when they were reading these stories back in the sixties and seventies. Uh, there's not enough uh, angry monkeys in in the Dungeons and Dragons games <laughs> I've played. Uh, I, 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 I beg to differ. Right in the original Monster Manual, one of the one of the first creatures under A is ape, comma giant, and it looks kind of like a lot like the the ape in in this story. So. Sorry, yes, there are. No, I'm just saying the ones I played, they, you know, it's mostly kobolds and uh, or DM doesn't always pull out the giant. That's that, right. That, that, is, that is a failure on your GM's yeah, part, not yeah. you. Yeah. I, yeah. I like to pull out all sorts of things, so you, have, you haven't had the right GM, Jesse. No, I haven't, I haven't had one for a long time. It's, it's sad. Um, I, I, I do think there's something going on. Why, why is he like monkey so much? Um, I, is he wrestling with Darwin? Because, totally. yeah. because uh, yeah. Thak is, uh, I think, the, you know, the talent. Have you ever read Moon of Zimbabwe? Uh, no, but maybe we should make that our next podcast. Yes, yeah, so that's a it's a Howard story. It's one of those sort of Southern Gothic horror. Oh, okay. Oh, where like, somebody brings from darkest Africa this horrible man-eating ape. And that's it has good. a cult uh, that kind of worships it in the swamps of Texas. And, awesome. uh our guy has to like rescue his girlfriend from a cult with a giant flesh eating ape. Who's the hero of this one? Uh, it's a one-off. Um, I forget his name. He's a like a scion of a plantation owning family in the pine lands of Sounds good. Texas and Arkansas. You have to remember that in the twenties and thirties, Howard was operating off of the pop culture notion of, of primates, uh, you know, and particularly this is important. You know, the gorilla was still a relatively recent discovery. That's how he says it in the story, right? He doesn't like to come out of the forest. Yeah. And so this whole, uh, all of his, uh, gorillas are in, in so many ways that sort of, uh, stereotypical stand in for, uh, animal savagery, uh, you know, uh, primal lust, rage, you know, those base emotions. And when you consider Howard's stance on mankind, this, this, uh, rise and, and fall of civilization, these cycles of history that repeat themselves, um, that backslide into, into savagery and barbarism, you know, there's barbarism, and then the step below it is is savagery, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. A step below Howard's barbarism would be Thack, and then a step below Thack yeah. would be Thak. the man-eating apes. Thack you know? wants to be a man, right? Right. There's a there's a there's a ladder here that you can climb in Howard's uh, entomology, and and so um, so you have to when you, when you're looking at the gorillas and the and the and the gray apes and the and whatnot. Um, they don't quite occupy the same space as, say, the lecherous gorilla in the cliffhanger serials that just wants to grab the woman and take her into the jungle. Mm. That's not what they do. They are usually struggling right along with everybody else to uh, exist, defend, eat, what have you. There's not a sexual component to Howard's gorillas, which I think is fascinating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost always uh, a challenge to uh, m- mankind and specifically masculinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gulka the Gorilla Slayer 
is the most potent man in the tribe in Solomon Cain because he is the gorilla slayer. Right. And so there's a this just kind of fits in that sort of uh you know what's 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 more terrifying than the barbarian the savage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so so I think that's where where that all kind of fits in. And um uh, he wasn't the only one to really do this but in, in the uh, in the in the pulps themselves and especially in in larger popular culture at this time you know gorilla was a stand in for uh you know uh, what was believed to be the lecherous intentions of people of color which is terrible mm-hmm. and and wrong but we're also talking about um that was the argument that people used both to refute Darwinism and to prop up racism. Mm-hmm. It's weird that it that that you know. Well, I didn't come from a monkey, but <laughs> these people did. You oh know, so it's, it's 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 oh yeah, it sucks. It's just stupid, you know. And and it's that wonderful willful disconnect that people will have to to justify uh, uh, a, a a bad belief system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Howard cuts right across all of that. He was cheerfully a religious, but he didn't mind using the stories of the Bible and using the trappings of of uh, uh, these these very old systems to make his stories have that sort of uh, weight of authenticity. You know. Yeah, I was thinking uh, about how, about. Poe's uh, Murders in the Rue Morgue. How it's it's almost, one of my favorites. Yeah, it's yeah. a great story. It's very interesting, and obviously, it's got a lot of uh, uh, other importance as being a detective story. But it's got that orangutan that uh, that it is acting in ways that we probably don't think orangutans would do. You know, like right, cutting people with knives and shoving them up places, <laughs> all sorts of <laughs> uh, sort of half human things and uh you know it's been kidnapped so like i'm sure somebody will do this and probably shouldn't but you know just telling the story of murders of the room org not from from the detective's point of view but rather from from the monkey's point of view <laughs> right or or like the sailor who brought him to france right um and that <laughs> it's uh it's it's interesting because it, it it is a story that i'm sure how are we <coughs> aware of and I don't think he just bring like he could bring up all sorts of stuff, right? And he he has a, a he calls it a dragon. Turns out it's a dinosaur in red nails, and he's got flying monkeys in. I think they're flying monkeys, right? In uh, uh, Queen of the Black Coast, yeah, Queen of the Black Coast. Um, he's got he's got all sorts of different things he can draw upon, but he does choose to to use a lot of giant apes over and over again. And obviously, this is a thing that was happening in culture at the time there's a you know famous movie called king kong right um and uh, yeah and there's a uh there's a story by clark ashton smith um i'm trying to it's the isle of something it's got a oh the uncharted isle great story i don't know if you guys have read that but i'm in the way that uh i got to lovecraft was through howard um and uh the conan comics um is also the way I'm getting to Clark Ashton Smith and 
Jesus, guys, you, if you haven't seen it yet, this documentary from Hippocampus Press about uh, Clark Ashton Smith, it's so good, this documentary. It's like... The one you shared with us? Yeah, yeah, the one I shared much, with you, oh, Paul. I, I, I downloaded it. I haven't watched it yet. You got to see it. It's so good. It makes you like just want to spend more and more time reading Clark Ashton Smith's stories and poems. And that story, there's this story called The Uncharted Isle, another weird tales story. Um where it starts kind of like Dagon, there's people adrift in a boat or a guy adrift in a boat and he uh, sh- washes up on an island and every- there's people on this island and it's a very strange sort of pre-Atlantean civilization. Um, and he finds uh, that everyone on the island can't see him. He's like a ghost to them. Um, and he goes into a temple and witnesses the people sacrificing babies to a, to a gorilla god. Right. Um, and then when he comes out and runs for the shore, I probably in a, a swoon, <laughs> um, he, uh, grabs a, a different boat and, or the same boat, I can't remember, and some oars and he rows away from the island. And when he wakes up in human civilization again, uh, the only thing that tells him it's true is that the oars are like particularly jade beautiful or something like that and it's a it's a, just a gorgeous sort of uh atlantean dream story um but yeah why are they sacrificing their babies to this monkey god because monkeys are in the air man that's what was going on <laughs> they fly <laughs> flying and <laughs> flying monkeys. i mean well dude that's in the book too right flying monkeys uh oz isn't that it's from the book isn't it there, yeah, it's there's a there's a the the in popular culture these the this was like it's just like a phenomenon, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, as soon as the 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 hunting books started appearing in the late 1890s, uh, gorillas everybody got gorillas on the brain. This is when uh, <laughs> Barnum the uh, Barnum and Bailey Circus uh, started uh, exhibiting. Um, Jumbo the gorilla. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, it 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 was a it was a phenomenon and uh the fact that you could put a person in a gorilla suit and have them basically do whatever was required for the script without having to actually go get a gorilla. Right. Most people just bought that because they didn't know anyways. And so most of what people knew about gorillas in the early 20th century came from uh comic strips Right. Uh, movie serials, you know, stuff like that. It, you know, and so uh, th- there's a there's a huge course correction that doesn't even really happen until the 70s after the Planet of the Apes movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so you know, anytime you have to, anytime you see a gorilla in popular culture prior to 1965-66, you have to you need to look at them individually. Mm-hmm. And 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 sometimes you go, oh well, this is the yeah, this is the sexualized gorilla uh, libido thing, but but sometimes it's not. In Howard's case, it it never was, uh, and he used gorillas in, um, well, I won't say never. I, there may be a couple of instances, but by and large, especially in Conan, uh, in uh, the Costigan stories, in Solomon Kane. Uh, those the, the apes uh, are part of his barbarism. Um, it's a reflection, conceit. right? That's right. A, that's the, that, a, it, 
It's, I mean, it's that's, an animal for reflection, yeah. Yeah, that's and, how Olivia sees it. That's how we see it, too, and how Howard and, was seeing it. And Howard was very big on using natural terms to describe uh, the actions of his protagonists. You know, uh, There's a reason why Solomon Kane is always a wolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause he's a hunter, uh, Bran McMorn and El Barak are panthers, right. uh, cause they are fast and deadly. Uh, so, uh, using natural forms to describe, uh, hawk noses, vulpine eyes, you know, all that stuff, it, that's an intentional choice. And it's, uh, it's a way to sort of connect them to this larger natural, world that he's talking about mm-hmm. in terms of the story it's um like the mirror image of when the um evil black people kill uh you know sacrifice something superior to them and they're mm-hmm. punished for it and when conan uh, is fighting the 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 gray ape it makes you think of what some people have said about um, the psychological basis for bullfighting, that it's mm. the um, right. human uh, uh, winning out against the um, wild uh, instincts. That and the, and stronger, the verge of taking- stronger muscle too, right? Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's no, interesting. It's suppleness versus, um, versus strength. Uh, Conan is strong, but he – he wins because he's super fast and, and super super supple. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the whole conception of Conan as this over muscled barbarian that just hits things with strength is is really really tiresome. Because if you actually read the stories and actually look at this stuff, he wins as much with dexterity to go back to D and D again as yeah. much as strength. And and the the fact that he's got his wisdom up from uh, listening to those uh, philosophers in the marketplace and then saying, you, fucking well, idiots. <laughs> I'm <laughs> walking away. That is uh, that that is important. Yes, really, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's I mean, j- just hitting things hard is not what Conan does, and not, not to I, I'd his like to bury that forever. He can yeah. he can lie in a snowbank uh, where she needs to sleep on leaves, right? In in the jungle. But yeah. that's self control. That's not. Um, he does feel. I think he does feel pain and cold and so on. No, but on. He, his constitution but like, is good, right? Like he's like also the Tibetan monks who can ah, um, yes. uh, lie in the snow and thaw out their gar- garments one by one to prove that they master the the yoga of inner heat. Wow, I think there's an interesting contrast to Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. Howard is sort of pro nature, right? You describe your heroes as animals. Right, like nature is. The Conan is a part of nature. Olivia comments that, you know, he and the ape were you know, of the same kind as mm-hmm. these, these primal beasts. Whereas for Howard, I mean, sorry, for Lovecraft, who was more of a city guy, nature was kind of scary and other. And it was this cosmic, indifferent, terrible thing. Yeah, no, he much preferred, you know, walking the city and seeing seeing the nature with some gambrel roofs nearby. Right. It wasn't out in the jungle, out in the hills, uh, out in a boat. I mean, uh, how much, Mark? Do you know how much uh, Howard was out in a boat? Because he loves he loves putting boats in stories. Yeah, he did. He didn't. Uh, he didn't sail that I that I know of. It's crazy because he loves uh, it so much. He he. I think he would have wanted to, and I think that's why uh, boats and ships factor in. His. I think he'd always wanted to travel, uh, and talked about it. He did. He loved being outdoors. He you know. Uh, he he lived a rural existence and uh, drove to places where there was 
uh, natural beauty. He would he'd he'd go hiking. He'd go camping. He went into uh, he checked out the forts of Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, he drove uh, to New Mexico. Uh, they went to Carlsbad Caverns. So. Uh, you know, there's a lot, uh, and he went to Galveston. Uh, we know he went to Galveston and and hung out at the beach and and did some of that. So he might have had a chance to go on a boat at Galveston. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't really, uh, we don't really get any writings about that. And and to be fair, um, I, there's a way of kind of knowing what he had like firsthand experience in. Uh, by how he writes about stuff, and he never really gets into the details of sailing. No, uh, like like he like he gets into the details of boxing, for example. Mm-hmm. So, but but yeah, Howard was enthusiastic outdoors, and Lovecraft too uh, was liked to travel and walk and 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 do all of that. They were both. Uh, I, I and in Lovecraft's case, to be fair, Lovecraft was more of the. Uh, of the Walden variety, yeah, you know, yep. the, the, the gentleman, uh, you know, on holiday kind mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, but they both, you know, it's important to remember that however, whatever their predilections were, they both would spend a good portion of their days indoors in some, some cases, 12 hours for Howard. Got to be reading because uh, 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 reading or typing or yeah. writing, you know, longhand letters. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. some of Lovecraft's letters are just ridiculous in their in their length. Uh, and and of course, I always think about ten thousand letters that he wrote in his lifetime and go, boy, the things some writers will do to not have to finish a story. <laughs> <laughs> but but they but they both in their in their way. Uh, had a relationship with with nature in Howard's case I think he would have preferred to go back to it and in Lovecraft's case he was happy to be out of it mm. if, if that makes sense that's I think that's why uh, so much of uh, Lovecraft's uh, monsters uh, the, the, obviously uh, if you get past just the straight miscegenation of of you know, people that shouldn't be breeding, mixing and stuff like that. You know, there's a reason why there's, there's always a, uh, an animal component to these things. You know, the, the deep ones are fishmen. Cthulhu was a collection of, uh, invertebrate and, and insect forms, you know, and then Howard, Howard stuff, when he goes big, tends to be shapeless, formless, mm. uh, slithering it, it, shadow. Yeah, it's it's uh it, in fact it's otherworldly because it's not natural. You know, in in these in Howard's world, you never get a sense that the dragon that they run into in Red Nails is uh a common occurrence. You know, more more likely they're the last of their kind. It's the end of the age of mega fauna and mm-hmm. flora for the the thir- you know for the for the Hyborian age you know in that in that respect so i think that uh uh i i think that the gorilla in in um iron shadows in the moon uh fits that that thing because he hadn't gotten to th- to uh fag yet you know mm-hmm. uh rogues in the house is still coming in terms of chronologically speaking he's still working on his monkey ideas yeah he's 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 working stuff out and and i and like i said i think this fits uh, within his 
his overall architecture, which we know now to be kind of fringe uh, science. You know, a lot of his anthropological uh, stuff has been discredited now because we have better, more accurate information. But for the purposes of creating a fictional world, eh, go nuts. You want to, you want to do Atlantis, yeah. MU? Yeah, knock yourself out. I know. I know. Um, you know. I read all the Savage Swords when I I started collecting. I started probably with Conan the Barbarian. I did the. I think Savage Sword is one of the greatest magazines ever printed. Um, and one of the things that they did was, uh, I guess it's Roy Thomas. Um, he. He studied these stories so that when we get this, uh, fact that the Kozaks or Kazaki are mentioned, well, he, he'll ho- do a whole series, uh, about the Kozakis, right? And then, um, we're going to get the, uh, it's promised at the end of this book, right? That we're going to get a fight with Yezdegerd or whoever his name is, Yildiz. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's not covered in another story, right? Right. Right. That's, that's just the beginning and the end of this story make whole connections that yeah. is fill, filled in by people who can capture the voice. Right. And he, and he, he does that in other stories as well. I mean, in, um, uh, in the Scarlet Citadel, uh, he runs into somebody he used to play that he used to run with on the Black Coast. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, that's just Howard in, using that to reinforce the idea that this guy's lived a life, mm-hmm. you know, his, um, it's, it's not as important that we know the details of the story as we know the, the end result of the story. I'm going to get Conan. If I ever have a chance to get him, if it's the last thing I ever do, that's the important thing. We don't need to know what Conan did. We can pretty much fill in that for ourselves. I'm willing to bet it involved leaving this guy stranded somewhere without gold or a sword, you know, <laughs> without clothes. <laughs> and, uh, and this guy somehow survived and, you know, fought his way back, which is what Conan does. Mm-hmm. himself several times i've i've said this more than once uh the best thing about conan and the reason why he's the way he is is he's the least asshole asshole in the room <laughs> you know he's yep. the asshole that you can reason with as opposed to the asshole you can't reason with yep he has a, he has a, he has explanations for why he's he's in a bad mood yeah yeah, the the judge was clearly uh, insane. <laughs> I had no choice but to take his head he off. He wanted me to inform on my friend. Right. What kind I, of morality I, is that? I already told him I wasn't going to do it, and then he kept <laughs> asking me. <laughs> I had to shut him up, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, um, ro- um, I, I just finished a thing on uh, Blackgate, uh, a great article series called Hither Came Conan where everybody talks about different stories. And one of my favorites in that regard is, um, uh, the, uh, uh, the God in the bowl. Mm. And so I got to talk about the God in the bowl and talk about, that's the one with the snake. That's the one with the, the child of, uh, snake God. Yeah. And, 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 and that whole thing is the essay writ large that Howard was trying to get across to Lovecraft regarding, you know, the nature of barbarism versus civilization. And all of these stories echo that right down the line. Uh, and, and I, in fact, I submit that the reason why you have them in so many of the stories is because uh, Farnsworth Wright initially rejected the God in the Bowl. Mm. 
and Howard had to get this stuff in there because he's trying to kind of work this out and make a point and and so that and so that's why um we we have the little dig here uh from Olivia you know they say you're barbarians and he says well we don't sell our children mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. Uh, you have to have that, and and that carries through, it, especially in the first 11 Conan stories, right up to Rogues in the House, which is, I think, the kind of final uh, real thrust of that. Because um, the next phase of the Conan stuff, uh, you know, Howard's got a different concern. Hello. Uh, well, we're getting close to the end here because Paul needs to leave. Anybody got any uh, closing thoughts here? Um, so have you read the Dark Horse comics that come before and after this in the series? I I looked at, uh, I guess, issue 21. Um, I, I read these years ago, I think. I had to go to the comic book store and buy. Uh, some of my comics are hard to find, I guess. Um, Kozaki, you should included that one with the ones you yeah, showed. I, yeah. That was pretty good. Um, so in the, the next set, uh, we actually kind of find out that the reason Olivia was sold by her father, mm-hmm. is that her father was under the spell of the Queen of Ophir, who you'll recall from the Man-Eaters of Zambula, has a jewel that allows her to entrance men. Ah. It's, it gets ah. lost. Well, they that's, work that in together. that's uh, undercutting <laughs> the idea that uh, civilized people go around uh, selling their children. Um, whereas it does, it does soften that. Yeah, it does soften that uh, through line of oil. But that that's also not Howard, right? That's yeah, that's just Dark Horse. That's Dark Horse. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I'm i kind of worried that they're going to run it into the ground. And there is this company, uh, I want to call them A-Blaze, but I don't think that's what, that are doing adaptations of, of um, well, they're translating French adaptations. Apparently the French comic market is huge. Um, can anybody speak to this? Anybody live in France? Well, it it is. It is, but they have been slacked with a cease and desist, so I don't think that those are going to actually come out. Well, fuck that. I'm going to make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'll fight that monkey god. Um, do you uh, do you hang out in the f- French comic book stores, or how, how does it work in there, uh, Terrence? No, I don't hang out in the French comic stores. I've been... Um, uh, my whole physical life has been destroyed by uh, Amazon, so I bought the French um, uh, version of um, uh, oh, that Iron Shadows in, in the Moonlight, and um, it's it's pretty faithful. Oh, good. Um, that's uh, th- that's the one that is getting translated, and you've seen it. How's the art? Because I was looking at it, and it looked okay. It was a bit different than... <laughs> Normal, yeah, standard so it, it North seems, American stuff. Seems more spare, more simple, and I think there's a funny ending. Um, just looking at the ending. Yes, it's it's a feminist um, ending. Um, uh, she says, um, "I want to um, uh, ride the seas with you, or sail the seas with you." Um, we're two pariahs, we're the same. I will bring you with me, Conan. Ah. So, <laughs> so okay. one point for her. That's generous of her. And, and then he says, of course, uh, 
So I will make you the queen of the uh, Azure Lucy, Sea. Lucy, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll make you the king of this this inland sea, Conan. Well, she didn't go that far, but the steel, <laughs> uh, I'll bring you with me. I'll permit you to allow me to. I'm just going to see how the... I, I'm looking at the end of the dark horse, and um, it ends with the parrot, which I think is a good ending. And then the end of... Um, the uh, the savage sword is for for we'll sail a road of blood and slaughter, and this keel will stain the blue crim- the blue waves crimson wherever it passes. Cast off their dogs. We'll scorch King Yildiz's pantaloons yet by Krom. Yeah, so they really have a beef with this uh, Yildiz. I don't know. It's because they're all been turned into slaves by him. Is this a uh, uh, John Bolton style anti-Iranian uh, propaganda, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's actually also in, in people of black circle. He's he's got agents running around Afghanistan trying to. Mm-hmm. Well, the Persians are the bad guys in in uh, sort of Western history, right? With the Greeks right. being the heroes, right? Um, yeah, they, I... they stuffed a Roman emperor and hung his skin in a temple, but. Uh, Howard was very sympathetic to uh, the uh, uh, Asian slash Near Eastern uh, kingdoms in in his lifetime. Uh, several of the stories in the what we call Oriental Adventures, and I put that in quotes, mm. uh, have a very sympathetic treatment of Muslims, and of course the El Barak stories. Yeah. Uh, you know, more often than not. Uh, El Barak sides with his Afghani friends and and tribal warlords for dealing honorably, right? And and, and uh, he throws Willoughby, the British campaigner, under the bus uh, because they're just here to loot the natural resources. And so the you know it, I think worth regard. I don't know that there's a political agenda here in Conan so much as it's just his thesis of um, every man has the capacity to be a shithead. (laughs) It's with, you know, and so in in the Hyborian age, you were either a a shithead or you were a victim. And so, you know, Conan cuts across those lines of either or uh, to be the guy who is essentially the compass needle, you know, uh, and he he offers he's the one who always offers the course correction. This guy here has too much power because he's melded with a dark god from an ancient tomb. We got to take him out at the knees. So uh, Conan is always the antidote to uh, too much um, civilization. Of, of, <laughs> uh, or, yeah, or or too or too much uh, corrupt power or whatever. Yeah. Same same difference, my friend. That's where the politics comes in. <laughs> There, there you go. It all comes back to that. Yeah. Well, uh, I really appreciate you guys uh, dissecting this uh, wonderful poem with me because I I enjoyed reading it. I I'd like to see that French adaptation um, because I I think it should. Uh, you, what if, if you're going to the release? Yeah. If you're going to do more, if you're going to do more Conan stories, don't get some people who have no idea what Conan's about, or more importantly, how to write poetry. Um, what you should do is just do adaptations because that's good enough. It's just do it again. 
I like I like seeing. I I, I think the art in the uh, Conan Sumerian is really good. Giorello, I think, is the artist's name, and the colors amazing. Yeah, t- yeah, Tomas Giorello was fantastic. Really good. Um, I, I I was noticing the covers don't really match up very well with. Um, yeah, they were different artists. Yeah, but they're also like like he's fighting a monkey god in issue three, but he's got a shield there. It's like me. I'd like to see more Olivia being thrown over somebody's shoulder and and uh, you know a, a parrot and maybe a monkey. I've actually, I've actually kind of softened on this, especially in the wake of the new Marvel stuff. Oh, dude, now, I, dude, I've, you, you got to soften in the wake of the new Marvel shit. I, I have, I have only read some of the main Conan comics, and uh, I, I saw what they were doing with the Avengers and Wolverine and all this, and and the fan reaction has been unexpectedly. Uh, uh, cheerful for this and i think if this had been if, if this was something that was happening in the 90s where the only conan that was available was the robert jordan conan novels and i couldn't get robert e howard on any bookshelf and they were doing this i think i'd lose my mind but um the delray conans are still in print the it's 13, 14 books in a series that stacks up on your shelf. Um, we've managed to, in the last 15 years, sort of uh, disengage the DeCamp and Lynn Carter stuff. And, and now it's just Robert E. Howard. And, and that's available. If you Google that, it comes up. If you mm-hmm. go to Amazon, it pops up first. So I'm, I'm, if, if Pop Culture Conan wants to fight Pop Culture Wolverine... <laughs> It's not going to hurt Robert E. Howard at this point yeah. because Howard's adequately and I think positively represented in ways that he hasn't been previously. So uh, while it, while Conan and the Avengers is not my cup of tea, you know, if that gets so, if somebody reads that and goes, I think I want to know more about this Conan guy, tickety tickety tick. Well, who's Robert E. Howard? That's what happens. Mm-hmm. So I, I, to me, that's an on ramp, however unlikely. And in some cases, the on-ramp is sort of like what happened on the show Chips, where, where the car <laughs> jumps and then spins sideways and then crashes. And that's okay, too, because sometimes we all <laughs> like a car crash. So, Well, uh, uh, we can let you I, go, I, Paul. I, I, uh, I, I got lost on that metaphor. I'm sorry. Paul, thank you for being here. Well, I, well, I want to make sure we get to the end of this conversation so I have the record, backup recording. But. Okay. Well, uh, I, I, want, I just want to say that. Um, I, I'm more concerned. Uh, I, I, I haven't read any of the crossover with the Avengers, Savage Avengers stuff yeah. because I, I just don't follow superheroes generally. Um, but I, I'm more concerned, like, uh, it's like you're sullying these legacy of Savage Sword of Conan, first of all, by not having it in a magazine format and not in black and white. <laughs> and second of all, by just not having anybody who, who, deeply understands and respects uh the prose that is just so gorgeously poetic and you know that you got to paint ships right you you got to know that the <laughs> ship has yeah. no gun ports and that in a s- storm you don't have your sails up i mean i'm right. i did not spend my life on the water i did spend a lot of time on the water as a youth but i don't think you have to be that uh connected cuz i don't think howard would have had 
even if he's only been on a boat once. I think he just did a little research and cared a little bit. Yeah, I think I would call that. How could he get away with that? That's what I'm saying is how the fuck can they get away with this? I think it's an editorial failure rather than a a failure of um, the artist because someone should have caught that. Somebody's being hired for it, right? And if you're, if you're, that's why I'm saying the the person who runs the um, uh, Conan, um, the salary man, should be the editor because she has the voice in her head. I see it in the typing, right? Those tweets are like. Perfect. You captured it. And also it's funny, right? There's that other aspect that it's funny. I don't need Conan to be uh, full of gigantic mirth every time. But what I do need is for it to have the word do in there every once in a while and never have the word ass. <laughs> oh, I love it. The All recipe right. goes down not just to the monkeys, but down to the, uh, the, the actual sentences and the adjectives. And Okay. Well, that's, you know. Uh, I've had people throw uh, those stories under the bus for far less. You know what I mean? Uh, so uh, if that's if that's your line, that's that's cool. That's okay. There's because because we've already got these adaptations, right? That's the good news is is that there is the Savage Sword stuff, and it's still available as well. So, no, I just don't want to write it off and say, like, I heard Roy Thomas is coming back to write something. Um, last thing I read by Roy Thomas was a, it turns out that he only wrote half of it, which was kind of crappy. Um, it yeah. was a, a Red Sonia, um, hardcover done with a Spanish artist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know the one I mean? I do. And I didn't read it, but I don't try it, it was, it was very pretty. It was very pretty. Yeah. Um, but the writing was just not up to snuff because Roy Thomas only did a little bit of it and uh i'm not saying you know he's the greatest writer ever because uh there's other good writers but he did know the voice and uh you just gotta make sure like you know comics are in super decline compared to where they used to be right and you can't you can't keep going with shit it just it just will get canceled I will. Uh, I'm going to recommend something else to you. Yeah, go for if, it. If you if you don't have it, because I think this might help you get through this. Uh, we have the daily tweets. Have you read um, by Crom uh, uh, Shell Khan's uh, uh, book about Conan is my spirit animal? No. Oh, it's uh, cute. It's fantastic. It's a it's a it's a woman who is sort of dealing with her life in Toronto and Conan appears to her to give her life wisdom and advice. And let me tell you something, she's got a handle on this in, in a, in a way that I've not seen anybody else deal with pop culture. Conan. I'm looking at uh, it and it's, it's got great reviews on Goodreads. Uh, I, I blurbed it. Awesome. So there, there, there you go. Um, I'm getting it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, Great little uh, single and two panel things, and uh, she's she's really got a voice for for Conan that uh, is just uh, just fantastic. So this is what I'm saying. It is philosophy, right? Yeah. What is best in life? It's it's from the movie, uh, but that line um, I believe is is a uh, is attributed to Genghis Khan, right? The answer. Genghis. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, it's fun to say, (laughs) 
Um, so, sure. It's fun to say. I'm not sure it's my philosophy, but I dig it, right? Uh, what is best in life? Hmm. A good story. Uh, some beautiful poetry. Um, walking, uh, on a nice day, you know, having some coffee. Uh, you know, being out on a boat once in a while. <laughs> um, running for your life sometimes and also, uh, being relaxed and chill because you're not worried about something, right? It's not, it's not as concise as, um, the wind in your hair and, uh, uh, your enemies fleeing before you <laughs> and right. the lamentations right. of the women. Um, sure. but you know, I, I don't mind women lamenting every once in a while because, you know, we got to exercise our emotions. So it, he, he really is a, um, some sort of pulp, pulp magazine philosopher. Um, in the same way that I think of, um, Philip K. Dick as a, as a paperback philosopher, you know, like that, that really is what he is. He's not, he's writing philosophical fiction and there's jokes in there. Um, and yeah, he just doesn't care about science in the same way that, uh, Howard doesn't care about geography, right? Yeah. And, and they do care. They just don't care uh, so much that they're trying to make historical fiction. Right. Or yeah, whatever. It's, it's about, um, ways of living and exploring ideas and, it's it's amazing what these weird guys, you know, spread across the United States get up to when they're not in university and, and just thinking these thoughts through with each other uh by letter and on their own and reading other other magazines and uh, it's I'm astounded and everybody should be lucky enough to have access to it. <laughs> This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.